Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussions from My Closet. Wendy Gerbier is your host. This podcast is called Discussions from My Closet because, well, it's just that. Wendy sits in her closet and has amazing conversations with people. Conversations about everything. Love, life, relationships, culture, religion, politics, family, careers, you name it. In each episode, Wendy will interview someone who could help give her and many of us some perspective on each of these topics in the hopes of walking away having learned something new and definitely have some fun along the way. Wendy's going on a journey and she'd love for us to join her. So here we go. My next guest is LaVon Roberson. LaVon is a dear friend of mine, and I've been waiting for some time to have this one-on-one discussion with her, so I'm very excited that we finally did that. LaVon Roberson received her bachelor's degree in sociology from Hampton University, a master's in elementary education, and a doctorate in educational leadership. She was a teacher for the Norwalk Public Schools for over 14 years. She worked with the International Center for Leadership on Education and was one of the few chosen to represent the nation's first model quad D lab classroom. LaVon is currently the academic director for the program Horizons in New Canaan, and boy, does she do incredible work there. She has served on over 15 education-based committees and won the Excellence in Education Award in 2018. LaVon is also an author and founder for Now I Am Nia LLC and the Now I Am Nia Foundation. All this came about almost six years ago when LaVon had a truly life-altering experience. She received some news about her own personal health and that experience has now brought her all over, giving talks, lectures, doing professional development to a variety of organizations. She has been featured on several media platforms. She was actually preparing to fly out to Atlanta for an author's showcase when I contacted her. So I'm thrilled she was able to do this podcast before she left. As each and every one of us is in our own unique journey, in this episode, LaVon shares part of her journey with us. You know, I've heard this part of her story many times, and honestly, each time I hear it, I learn something new. Not just about her, but definitely about myself. All right, friends, I was having some technical difficulties during this recording, and you'll hear it. I wish I could tell you what happened, but honestly, I don't know. We've had a few storms lately, and maybe that's what affected the connection? Not sure. But you'll hear at times while my guest is speaking, part of what she says cuts off. And it's weird, but my responses back to her is delayed by like one or two seconds. I'm totally bummed about that, but don't worry, you will hear mostly everything. Ah, the trials and tribulations of recording in one's closet. Okay, here's LaVon Roberson sharing a part of her health story with us. Enjoy your journey. Hello. Hi, LaVon. Hi, Wendy. Hello, dear. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am doing well. Um, I'm so glad that you're here with me to have a conversation with me. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Oh, yay, yay, yay. Now, Miss LaVon, how long have we known each other? 
Oh, Wendy. Um, I know. Well, when did you start? When did you start at I, Merrimack? I came to Merrimack in 2005. Okay. So. I'm trying to figure out whether I ago. knew. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out like how, uh, whether we met the first year you started teaching. Yeah, there, we, or... we met then, but we started hanging out. Um, <laughs> once once we formed the formerly known as like CGL. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> but yeah, so so we we obviously worked in the same building, and the fact yeah. that there were not many minority women in the building, so yeah. we immediately like had acknowledged each other as you know that happens often. It does. Um, it does in many different settings. Yeah, right. right. It's like this unspoken. <laughs> all right, we have to look out for each other, and that ended up forming into a friendship, and then it formed into a sisterhood. So it it, it truly has. I mean, <laughs> our friendship has really grown and developed. Yeah, uh, and I can't tell you just how much I appreciate you just as a human being. Oh, truly. Wendy, thank you. I, I feel the I same. Just, is really do um so you know i uh so yeah we we've known each other for for quite some time now and um i know that i have uh personally been able to experience you just in so many different in so many different facets you have gone through quite a journey in your life um and you continue to 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 go through different different uh facets of your journey um and uh throughout that we have still remained connected and um i just love seeing where you were before where you are now and you just continue to be in an inspiration not just for me but for a lot of people out there um, so I would love to just sort of just start getting getting right into it, really. Um, I'd love for you to just share your story with me and with uh, and, and with the listeners. So um, I'm just going to uh, just pass it on to you uh-huh. if you could just start. Well, there's there's well, if I was to share my story, we would we would need all year, really. But um, you're right. You know, I, right. I think the most important part you know, well, not the most important part, but a really important part of my story has obviously been the last five and a half years. Um, So five and a half years ago, um, so in October of 2015, I was um, diagnosed with ovarian cancer and Mm -hmm. it came out of nowhere. I don't have a history of cancer in my family. I was um, 34 at the time. So I was young um, and I had been complaining for a while about stomach pains and um, I was nauseous when I ate. I was nauseous before I ate. Um, And so over time, I just kept complaining about it, Um, but it was being dismissed as, you know, I had poor eating habits, which was true. Mm. Um, And it was dismissed as, you know, I had gallbladder surgery the year before. Oh, maybe it was that. It just Mm. stole because I think I that it's nothing and so over it it started to become something that I could not ignore because it was affecting my quality of life Um, okay I started to go you know I started to be miserable all the time and started to Mm -hmm. you know just be uncomfortable and so the weeks leading up to my diagnosis I was pretty miserable um but 
I had attributed to attributed it to I was on a quote unquote diet, <laughs> one of okay. my many. And yeah. so um I was getting full easily and I um mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well my diet's working. I'm not really hungry. I must have detoxed myself from the McDonald's and you know, all the, okay. the garbage food and I was losing weight yeah. really fast. Um, and I was like, wow, uh-huh. this diet's working. But in the process, I was miserable. And I remember, time, I remember going to the nurse, just like, I just don't feel well. I feel clammy. I don't, I don't know. And so my blood pressure was high. So she's like, follow up with your doctor, which I did. And they, they wanted me to go see a cardiologist. But I, in the meantime, I was just miserable. So I was like telling everybody at okay. work, like, yeah, I'm just pretty miserable. Um, like, I feel like I'm coming down with something. But at the time, we were just about to go into like, conferences and report cards and you know like assessments for the kids and it was like I I have no mm-hmm. time to be sick right now we um we yes. had a meeting <clears throat> my my colleague and I had a meeting with the principal and someone from central office um this particular Friday and that Thursday night I woke up with a, I had like a fever and I was just miserable so I was like all right let me run to the walk-in get checked out I thought I had an ear infection at that point because my ears were bothering me like so I went to the mm. walk-in that morning before work and they're like, you don't have a fever. Like you're fine. So I was like, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I guess I'm fine. So I leave, I go to work and I'm at work and I'm in that meeting and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am so uncomfortable and just like, you know, I just didn't feel well. So yeah. now were you, now were you in pain? I was just uncomfortable. I can't say that I was okay. in pain. I just was like, okay. you know how you have like, the flu and you just feel like really lethargic yes. and really just tired. Yes. And, you know, hopefully there's women listening to this call yeah. and no one's grossed out, but I also had like a heavy period. Um, yeah. And yeah. Okay. so I just was like, I just felt, you know, you have like a really, um, you know, just one of those periods that was, was just like really uncomfortable. And so okay. I, yeah. um, so I was supposed to go away with, Wendy and I's friend Pauline that that weekend and I told Pauline mm-hmm. I can't go and anyone who knows me knows that's mm. a big deal because I am always ready to go so um yeah. I was like I can't go like I just don't feel well and so I went home that right. Friday and I like laid in the bed like I got in bed mm-hmm. which is not like me and then that Saturday my aunt um two my two aunts came over and I was just like yeah I don't feel well and they were like you know whatever like and I, the, we ordered food. I couldn't eat it. And I'm not kidding you. Sat, Sunday morning comes around and it's Columbus Day weekend. So we're off on Monday mm-hmm. and Sunday morning comes around. And I'm like, I can't call the doctor because it's Sunday. Everyone's closed. Monday, everybody's going to be closed because of Columbus Day. I need medication because I have such a busy week at work. I need to get on antibiotics now so I can start feeling better. Okay. So I was like, let me go to the emergency room. And then I immediately dismissed that thought. Like, I don't want to go sit in the emergency room. Like, I'll be fine. And I'm like, now, now I'm mature enough to know that it was God talking to me and, you know, like kind of making sure that, and I just kept hearing, you need, no, you need to go to the emergency room. And so my mom was at church. I was living with my mom at the time. And I I called my mom and was like, I think I'm going to head to the, the emergency room. Like, I still don't feel well. And she was like, all right, you know, like, I'll meet you down there. And I remember, like, getting in my car and was like, I'm not going to go to the emergency room. Like, I literally turned so that I could go to, like, Marshall's and Home Goods. Like, I was like, 
I'm oh, not, wow. I'm not going to go. And then something just was yeah. like, no, you need to go. And so I said out loud, like, yeah, I need to go because it feels like there's something inside that needs to come out. And so ah. I went to the emergency room and I told them that I said, you know, I feel like there's something inside that needs to come out. Like, you know, I have this period that won't go away, but that was not rare for me because I'd always had irregular periods. I either had no period mm. for months or I had, or I had okay. a cycle for months. So I, it, that okay. wasn't necessarily odd to me, but it was just like something was bothering me and it felt like something needed to come out. And so I said mm. that at the emergency room. So they order a, you know, CAT scan, an ultrasound. So I kind of laid there and I went into the ultrasound and the ultrasound tech was concentrating on one area. So it was like, mm. he, he was like looking and I was watching the screen um, and the screen was red. Now, like now I think that that's normal. Like it just turns red when there's an, there's something, but I remember being alarmed when I saw red. So I was like, Oh, there's something. Okay. And um, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> It's is it an old pregnancy? You know, I've seen these like TLC shows where it's, yes, it's like, yes, what yes. is it? You know, um, I just and then I was thinking my mom and all my aunts had fibroids. So I'm like, oh, I must have fibroids. And mm, so I just was okay. I knew that they saw something because they were concentrating and he called someone else in. So I just I knew it was something. Okay. So I go back into the, you know, the room waiting. And by then my mom's there. So a couple hours go by and we're just waiting. And so then they, they come back in and they bring me to get the CT scan. And so I get the CT scan. Wow. I go back in now hours go by again. So now at this point I've been there maybe six, seven hours. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. So all of this waiting, what's going yeah. through your head? So what do you, I'm what are texting, you thinking? I'm texting you and Pauline and Alvina. I'm texting like, all my friends and I'm just like, yeah, I'm in the ER yeah. and I'm not sure, you know, what's going on, but, um, you know, I haven't yeah. been feeling well, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm having a really heavy period and maybe I have fibroids. Um, just because I had heard about mm -hmm. fibroids because my mom had, um, fibroids and so did all of my aunts. So I'm like, okay, okay. I must have mm -hmm. fibroids. You know, I don't know what the process is for removing them. And so my mom finally says to the nurse, why are we still here? You know, like, what are we waiting for? What, yeah. you know, what is it? Um, and so the nurse says, we're waiting for her doctor. So my mom and I looked at each other like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. Like, it's something. Um, and so we waited. And then the on-call, not my actual OBGYN, but the on-call came. And she's like, you know, I, I just want to tell you that, you know, you have a tumor. And she called it a tumor. She mm. didn't call it like a cyst or a, she, I remember she called it a tumor and she said, and it's okay. big. And she's like, it's like the size okay. of a football. And she's like, we, wow. we have to remove it, but it's a holiday weekend. And it's so big that I don't feel comfortable doing that as an emergency. So she's like, I want to send you home as long as you can walk on your own, go to the bathroom on your own. I want to send you home and bring you back on Tuesday after the holiday um, and we do the surgery. And so I, I go home and now, so now I'm sitting there and I'm devastated because I'm like, she's like, it's on your left ovary. Um, and you know, we're probably going to have to remove your left ovary. So at the time, you know, silly me, I'm like, Oh my God, now I'm going to be infertile. 
um, they're going to, you know, not thinking mm. I have two ovaries. It just was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is, you know, devastating. Like, um, so yeah, yeah. my aunts and my, oh, my aunts show up to the hospital. Like my aunt Millie was like praying. Mm-hmm. It was, she's like, you're going to be okay. And I'm like, no, I'm not like, and I remember like leaving the hospital in like a fog. And, um, yeah. I remember like going home and looking in the mirror and looking at my stomach and was like, you're absolutely right. Like my stomach, I look all of five months pregnant. Like, you know, I wow. I just don't know how I missed that. And I think, well, yes, I do. I'm a big girl. <laughs> well, I was thinking, I'm like, wow, it, I yeah. mean, a tumor the yeah. size of a football. And it's yeah, I was measuring area. as somebody who was eight months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, wow. I mean, as a big girl, yeah. it was just like, you know, I've, I've always been big. So it wasn't something that I was really like if I had gone from a flat stomach to all of a sudden like a stomach, then it would have been something to see. But right, it was right. like, okay, just more rolls. <laughs> so um, so yeah. but then when I looked at it and I just like stared at it um, and I actually have a picture of it. It was like, wow, like it really is like this rounded area in my stomach. And so then I was like freaked out. Once I looked at it, it was like, I felt like I was carrying an alien. Yeah. And so, so that Tuesday came along, I went to my OBGYN and she was like, listen, I'm going to tell you, I cannot do this surgery. She's like, I I can't do it. It's this tumor's too big. This is past what I do. You need to go see an oncologist. And Wendy, I'm not kidding. At the time, I didn't even know what an oncologist was. So she sends me Mm -hmm. right to the oncologist um, that the next day. So that Wednesday, I go to the oncologist this week, this whole week is like a fog to me. Um, And I go to the Mm -hmm. oncologist and she says, um, I walk up to the door and my mom and I, it says cancer center for women. And I was like, cancer. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness. So that is the first time time that that I thought of, that was the first time I even thought of cancer. At this point, I was only thinking about my fertility and the fact that I was a teacher and I was not going to be able to, you know, I wasn't at work and I had things to do. Yeah. Um, And I was thinking about the fact Uh, that I was going to have to have surgery in that year. I had lost a really good friend of mine, my God kid's father, um, Reese. And I was thinking, Mm. my God, like nothing can happen to me. My God kids already lost their dad. And that is honestly all I could think about that at that time was that. Um, And so I went into, and I was like, listen, why am I here? That's the first thing I said to the doctor. Why am I here? And she's like, oh, you're only here because I handle this type of surgery. If if the tumor is a certain size and OBGYN can't do it. Um, And she's like, don't worry. Like I'm looking at your tumor. It looks like it's closed and it's just going to be a removal. She's like, we are going to have to remove Um, your left ovary, but we're going to, you know, keep the rest of your um, reproductive system because we know you're young and you don't have children and we should be able to remove the surgery. I mean, remove that side. We'll remove the tumor. We'll remove that ovary because it's uh, attached to the tumor and we'll remove the tube. So Mm. I'm like, okay. So they ended up doing the surgery the very next day. Um, and they removed my appendix and, you know, all of these things. Um, so I had the surgery. I kind of yeah. snapped back from that surgery pretty well. It was, you know, I did, I handled the surgery fine. I was in surgery much longer than they anticipated, but you know, I was in the hospital a few days, went home and kind of was healing and they were like, you know, they kind of mentioned, we'll biopsy everything and give you a call. So 
they didn't okay. um, call me about the biopsy, but they kind of said everything looked kind of as we expected. Um, so I mm-hmm. went with that. And so, but, but something in the back of my mind, I kept calling like, Hey, have you gotten the labs back? Have you gotten the labs back? And they were like, you know, no. And so I got, I finally went to my follow-up for the surgery, which was two weeks later. Um, so I go to the appointment and I'll never forget this. I texted, I think I texted you all like Pauline, you, Alvina. And I was like, there's a woman in here crying and it just made me nervous. Like I can tell she got bad news. Yeah. And that was the first time I started to get nervous yeah. about the news. And so we go into the, the exam room and the doctor says, you know, my mom kind of stands at the door and the doctor says, to okay. the tech, get her mom a chair. So my mom's like, no, I'm fine. I know we're in and out, you know, you know. And so she says, no, oh, get wow. her mom a chair. And I, my mom and I oh, were like, my you know, so I, I knew something was coming. And so she, she, the doctor sat down and the doctor started to cry. And she said, yeah, she did. And she says, I am so sorry to have to tell you this, but you have cancer. And it was like a movie, Wendy. It was like a movie because you expect to sob, you expect to, and I was literally just like, okay, (laughs) so what do I need to do? Like, okay, what do I need to do? And so I just like sat there. And so my mom's like, LaVon, you need to say something, ask something. And you know me, like I'm a talker, I'm a question asker. And I just was like blown. I had nothing to say. And she said, you're, you're going to start chemotherapy on Monday. And I was like, chemotherapy, oh like at the time, I, Wendy, I, yeah. I know this sounds crazy. I did not know what chemotherapy entailed. I thought it was like something they lay on you and it kind of like zaps the cancer. I didn't know. I had, yeah, I know. how would I know? Why, how I would you, not, why I knew would you know had that? Cancer, yeah. but I had never seen anyone receive chemotherapy. Yeah. So I had no idea. So I was just like, okay, right. okay. So she says, and I, I, I was like, okay, so I'll start chemotherapy on Monday. What's the schedule so that I can send it to Pauline and kind of figure out my work schedule? And she's like, you work with children. Like you cannot go back to work. And I was like, oh wow. My goodness. Like that. So for you, you're receiving this information going, oh my, oh, okay. So this is what, yes. all right. So what do we need to do? How am I going to arrange my schedule? How much time yep. do I need to take yep. off before How I go back? <laughs> I need, I need to need talk to, to my, my kids. The- that, that's what I was thinking. Like, I've oh already been out of work goodness. for weeks. And there's there's eight-year-olds that depend on me. Like, I cannot be yeah. sick. Yeah. That I was... Like, I, do like, have I don't have time Like, I didn't even this. do their report cards yet. <laughs> like, that's what I was thinking. Yes. <laughs> like and I so, so oh she was like, goodness. you cannot work while you're in treatment. You are going to have to get intensive treatment. And I was like, that is when uh, I got like choked up. And it was like, I was choked up like, oh my gosh, what? like, I'm just going to have to sit in this. And that was my thought. Like, you just told me this and now I don't even have any outs. Like, yeah. I have to just sit in the house and just like deal with this. And yeah. so um, I remember my mom saying, she she said to my mom, do you have any questions? And my mom's like, um, is she going to lose her hair? And I remember thinking, who cares? I wear a wave. <laughs> who cares about my hair? And I, re- and so we, oh, your mom was she, so she was concerned. Like, What's going to happen? Yeah. Cause it's one of the first things you think. Yeah. Of. And I didn't, I didn't, it was, that was like the furthest thing from my mind at that, yeah. at that time. Yeah. So I yeah. went 
I, we stood up to like go in the office now out of the exam room. And my mom asked, I'll never forget this. And I'm like choked up thinking about it. My mom asked to go mm-hmm. to the bathroom and I knew it was because she was either ill or she was emotional. Yeah. And like, okay. you know, my mom and I's da- dynamic, like she is, she is solid. She's not emotional. She and yeah. so I remember that was just like, Oh, it was, it literally was the first sign of like, I'm, I'm about to shut down. Like, because uh, I cannot uh, deal with now I have to tell people and they're going to be scared and emotional and pity mm. me. And that was traumatic. That was probably the most traumatic thought for me. Like I now okay. become like a charity that people feel sorry for. And I, I just, I hated that part. What? And so my mom wow. and I leave the doctor's office and we kind of don't look at each other. We get in our separate cars. No, no, we got in the car together. Um, and then, um, yeah, so then I got home and it was kind of just like, oh, this is weird. And I, 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 you'll appreciate this. Like I got in the house and I was kind of like, I totally get why Britney Spears had that meltdown. Like I totally uh, get like uh, how she had a break because it was like, wow. this is too much. Like then I got on this like Google fest where I was like, oh my God, chemotherapy makes your hair come out. Your nails turn black, your, your teeth. I was like, my teeth. Oh, you started started Googling Googling and it was like, I literally like laid down and was just like overwhelmed. But I remember not being able to like feel it. Like I just wanted to like scream or something. I just, I just couldn't. And I immediately was, I immediately was like, I need to get a wig because I am not walking around bald and pitiful and I'm not doing it. And so, um, so I'll fast forward the story some, because it gets like, it just was what it was like. I kind of started, yeah. I went through chemotherapy. Um, I went bald immediately. I woke up and I started chemotherapy, I think the 19th of November. And um, mm-hmm. so Thanksgiving, my whole, we were supposed to go to my grandparents and they ended up coming to us. I didn't tell my grandparents at the time that I had cancer because I didn't want to tell them. But Thanksgiving okay. morning, I wake up bald. I wake up with all my wow. hair on the pillow. And um, Really? Yeah. So okay. it was like, that Thanksgiving, I, you know, obviously my whole, my whole family knows I'm sick now and I'm bald that day mm-hmm. and, you know, we're trying to act like everything's normal and I'm losing yeah. it because, because yeah. now I, now I'm sick, right? Like okay. I, I, before it was like this thing that's happening and I'm, I'm going to get past it and whatever. I never thought about dying mm-hmm. at that time. It was just like, okay, I okay. just have something to do and it's annoying and I just want to get back to my life. And so Thanksgiving, right. I woke up bald and I just was like oh okay this is so I remember that the so Thanksgiving was like a blur my family tried to act normal and it was normal for the most part um and Mm -hmm. then the next day I was just like my hair my head was hurting it was like and I called my my friend Joe was at my house and I called my friend Mark and was like I need you to cut you know the rest of my hair and he came Mm -hmm. to my house and he cut he cut my hair and I and I was just like okay um you know it, it was like the reality had set in and was like, oh, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sick. And I, I just, I never could look in the mirror sick. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to take any pictures. I, I wore a wig and a hat. It was luckily it was cold outside. So it didn't look weird. I never looked at myself bald. And I, I remember one time I went to treatment. It was my first treatment. I went to went, since I had okay. lost my hair and my friend Scott mm-hmm. Santanel was with me. And I remember I was asleep at treatment because that's what you do. My treatments were eight hours. Um, 
and they give you Benadryl. So you pretty much sleep most of it. And I remember my mom and Scott talking and the counselor came in. I remember I was half asleep and my mom saying to the counselor, you need to talk to her about her hair. Like, um, because she's having a hard time with being bald. And in my sleep, I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so anyway, um, I remember the counselor that day saying to me, look at yourself in the mirror, bald and say, I'm sick. And, and Wendy, I could not do it. I would, that is, I would cry as soon as I opened my eyes in the mirror, I would cry and just cry and just was like, I'm like, I could not say I'm sick. I just couldn't deal with it. And you know, what I know now um, is that that was, I, I really did myself a disservice to not accept Mm -hmm. the fact that I was sick and to not allow myself to be pitied and be taken care of. And, and so fast forward a year and a half later, I have more symptoms and, um, you know, like, so, I mean, 2019, 2016 after that was like a blur, you know, I was severely depressed, but I didn't know how to ask for help. I I was, I was just miserable. No, I felt like no one understood, but that was my fault because I didn't invite anybody into the process. I kind of just pretended that Mm, it just mm. happened and I got to go back to my life. I was a mess. Um, I was, I was so severely depressed. I really was. And, um, Uh Levon, you are just saying so much that is just personally yeah. resonating with me. I'm on, yeah. on so many levels. So yeah, you didn't invite no, anyone. In no, and I, I wanted to, I wanted it to yeah. not be so badly that I just, I pretended that it wasn't. And I was, uh. I was the queen of like crying on the phone, but I will tell you, like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, you know, people would ask all the time, is, are you, how are you? And then you're like, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. And yeah. I literally feel like I just closed the door and slept it away. And, um, yeah, you know, I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. And I, I went back to work and I remember like my first day back at work, I'm there. I'm, I had like a head wrap on over my wig and I'm, I, mm. I literally walked in that morning and was like, okay, everybody get your books out. Like, let's go. And never even gave my kids an opportunity to be like, how are you? Like, like, what just happened yeah. was like, let's, te- let's learn fractions. And I remember like at the right, time right. thinking to myself, Levon, this is not healthy. Like this was, mm. this was major. And, and I, you know, I spent the, the time after that, just like fe- never feeling like it was finished and it was closed and I didn't process it right. And like feeling like yeah. I needed kind of like, this sounds crazy, but feeling like I needed a redo in some way. And mm. obviously, and so ironically, my, our good friend, Yasmin, who was, um, she was the aide yeah. in my classroom that year. Um, no, no okay. she was not the aide in my classroom. She was my teammate <laughs> in my classroom, um, that the, okay. this particular school year. And, um, I came to work one day and she was just like, you look weird. And I was like, yeah, I have cramps. Um, it's really weird. And she was like, you have a weird color. I really think you should go to the doctor, whatever. Long story short, um, I wasn't feeling well. I, I, similar symptoms. Something in my mind knew something wasn't right. I go to the ER, leave work, go to the ER. They're like, um, yeah, you know, we don't think it's anything major. You need to just follow up with your doctor. Doctor, you're, um, and so long story short, I'm really skipping over details, but long story short, I was diagnosed with cancer again. 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 And now. 
when you had when you felt the symptoms were you were you saying all right yeah i've been here before. i was like yeah i i i know what this looks like are you thinking to yourself yeah, it I came am. back i was thinking it but okay. I, that's that i was thinking it's back and okay. but i think that there was part of me that's like okay but you're being dramatic like nobody gets cancer twice but maybe they do you know i don't know and mm-hmm. you know so i okay. was thinking Okay, wow. you know, yeah. whatever this is, I was, I don't know. So I, um, okay. I went to my, what happened was I, I went to the, the ER and it, it, I, it led to doctor's appointments and scans. And then my doctor kind of called, he called and he's like, yeah, like you have another tumor on your remaining ovary. You know, he, I got scans that morning. And by the time I got home, he called me and he's like, I, I'm just going to tell you right <sighs> now, I'm ordering, ordering you a hysterectomy. And this, this was a Thursday and I was just like, boom, uh-huh. like mind blown. And my, your mind does really, really tricky things. Like I literally went into shock. I was absolutely fine with it. I was just like, okay, all right, what do I need to do? He's like, how do you feel about that? And I was like, whatever at this point, whatever. And, um, I, I remember, uh-huh. um, he, I, my surgeon who's my gynecological oncologist called me like 20 minutes later she's like hey Levon you know I want you to come in tomorrow like don't eat anything I want you to come in tomorrow and I was like nope tomorrow's a Friday I need to go tell my kids that I'm not coming back I knew the recovery process was going to be eight weeks it was April like I know I'm I'm not going back to work like I need to tell my kids so I went to work that next day and I was like class listen I I won't be back (laughs) um and I remember um, it was it was a tough year that year anyway with my class and it was just like weird and it yeah. was like I kind of t- announced it to my class told my job like yeah you need to find a sub I'm yeah. pretty much not going back and that weekend like I think we hung out and it was like normal it was like okay I'm going I did a photo shoot with my line sisters um, that weekend and so Monday morning I go to the doctor and she does an exam and she's like all right, so no, before he, she's like, I looked at your scans. We're going to do a laparoscopic hysterectomy. You know, we, we are going to remove everything um, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, all right, let's get this done or whatever. And she did, she does yeah. the exam and she's like, no, we're going to have to open you back up. So now I, the first time I had an open surgery, meaning they cut me up, like, you know, like um, okay. pelvis to chest, like to remove to the remove, tumor and everything. Cause you have to, you know, removing, you're trying to move it as a unit. So she's like, we're going to have to open you up. You know, we're going to have to cut you again and whatever. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I literally bebopped, left the hospital, like, all right. So I'm starting to call everybody. Hey, everybody have cancer again. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. So, yeah. So I remember calling, um, the next day was my surgery and I, I got up Mm -hmm. that morning and was like, okay, I'm going to have surgery. I literally walked into the surgery room. Um, and it was when I woke up from surgery that the weight of it was, and that was, I will never forget that day. April 24th, 2018 was, I woke up in the recovery room and it was like, oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. It was like, I felt it from the first time and the second time. Number one, I had never been in so much pain. I have a very high pain tolerance. I, I felt like they Mm. did the surgery with no medication. It was like, 
I wow. am not. I am not. And my my family, my mother can tell you she's been there every surgery I've ever come out of. I've never screamed out or I'm usually just like, you know, silently like in pain, but like I can tolerate it. When they when I came yeah, out of that surgery, yeah. I was his screaming. And that is so not my personality. And so I remember my brother and my sister were there. And I remember saying, they need to get out. Like, because I could tell that they were anxious because, and I was just, yeah. it was just a scene. And I, but I remember, like, I just cried, Wendy, and cried. I just kept saying, oh. I'm I just like, I'm sorry. Mom. I kept saying sorry to my mom. Like, I'm sorry. And now what I know is like, I was just sorry. Just like I knew that as a parent, this was hard to watch. And I was sorry because mm. I woke up barren and I, I couldn't give her grandkids and I couldn't give myself children. And I had just, oh. my whole life was changed and I was sorry. And I, it was the weirdest yeah. thing to me yeah. ever. Yeah. Because for you, it's just like, okay, yeah. I got to go through this procedure again but let's just get to it let's get this out of the way so i can get yeah. on with my life or i can get and back this to time my life again and yeah and this time like yeah this time i have to think about my mortality i this time i have to think about mm. like even if i beat this i'm barren like and yeah that was big it was it was big yeah and it was like I my life is changed and I everybody's going to be stressed out but I thought my next thought after that was like you you gotta you can't do this by yourself you have to let everybody help you like you you have mm. to let people be what you what I would want to be if it was somebody else like you have to let people do this because they're grieving and they're going through this too like I couldn't imagine somebody that I love calling me telling me that they had cancer and they, this was them like yeah. I would have been so yeah. overwhelmed and stressed out by it so I knew that it was I needed the village and so that yeah. second time mm -hmm. um, I'll never forget my best friend Courtney she was like what can I do to help and I said you gotta get everybody to help me yeah I, I help and help my mom like yeah. and so there was a sign up if you recall um she set mm -hmm. up a sign up and within yeah. a day all the spots for, were signed up for in oh. terms of people who were gonna and it was okay on your brain i remember everything at me laying down and um mm -hmm. and so what she did is there was a sign up if it was your day to bring me food, it was your day to chill with yeah. me. And so there was like one person at a time. I got to spend time with that person. Um, yeah. And then my mom had this whole list of people to phone numbers to call on those days when she had something to do and I needed somebody to be home with me. And so that mm -hmm. those months, because it was months and months from April to October, yeah. every week, every day, there was somebody with me. Someone was and there. It yeah. was beautiful. And it was, and mm -hmm. every time I think about it, I get emotional because it was like, you know, really see them without them in it. You know what I'm saying? 
And yeah. that's what that was yeah. for me. It was like, it was me outside of myself getting to see myself loved. And it was beautiful. And um, mm. it was, it was the most um, time be literally done. Um, I yeah. was a mess and I still am. <laughs> But I was mm-hmm. also being loved and rebuilt and God was talking to me loudly. And um, and so in the process of coming undone and just knowing, like, if I don't come out of this, what what was important to me? What what did I leave? Yeah. Like what, you know, like not having children, like what's your legacy? Like that those things were the things you think about when you're planning yeah. to either not be here or be here after all of this, right? Like it was mm-hmm. so big. So either, either way, way yes. I had to be intentional, whatever happened next. Yeah. And I will never forget, like, you know, I was stage four that second time because there were tumors on my liver and, you know, liver cancer is stage four and we can't operate on your liver. You won't make it out of surgery. It was like all these important conversations. And um, mm. I remember um, we had a vacation planned, <laughs> a deep, the deepest oh trip. Oh my so goodness. I, and I was, when I was diagnosed and that was the big topic around the hospital. Like, are the doctors going to let her after this diagnosis go on her trip? I mean, <laughs> it was a huge, it was a conversation, huge conversation in our, in our group yes. text. I mean, when you sent us that text saying, I don't think I can yeah. join you ladies on this trip. We're yeah. like, what? You yeah, so the, our trip was planned, and for those of you who don't know, our trip was planned for June. We had been planning this big trip for the longest. We, we were celebrating. Been. Ross was retiring. It was, we all yes. had never been, we had been to vacation together in pop, but none of us. Yes. And all of us vacation together. was That's planned right. for June, and I was diagnosed in April. Surgery was in April. It was, I came healing from this. And that led us right to the day we were supposed to leave. I was yes. supposed to start yes. chemo that day. And the doctor was like, I, I can, she has to start now, you know? And I remember you all, you, Pauline, Roz, Karen, <laughs> Alvina, you were like, but you, you need to do something, you know, like, because uh, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, you you're going to be shut to down after this. Before. Yes. Like you have and to. I remember my mom said to the doctor, she needs to go on her vacation because after this, we don't know what happens after this. She needs to go on her vacation. And my doctor like talked to the other doctor and all the, and they were all like, she needs to go. She, she needs to go on her vacation. So literally the, the day before mm-hmm. it was like a few days before we were supposed to leave. If not the day before Wendy, if you yeah. remember, and it was yeah. like, yes. I get to go. <laughs> Yes. We were ecstatic. We're like, yes. they said, we were coming back Sunday. We had like a red eye on Sunday, if you remember. Yes. Monday morning, I had to get the port surgery, and Tuesday, I started chemo. Now, remember, Levant, we were just, I, we were sort of like speaking amongst ourselves. We're just like, how are we going to yeah. go on this trip if Levant yeah. does not go? Like, we couldn't yeah. even imagine going on this trip and, like, having a great yeah. time 
I, I think all we would have been doing is like thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, this trip is a, I'm like, if Obama's not going, oh, this trip is a bust. It like, was crazy. Let's, let's try and get our money back. Like, what is, like, what's yeah. the point? It was, it, and, and it was like, it was perfect because that, that's, first of all, that's the last vacation I've been on. And I, okay. you know, I'm a traveler yeah. and that was the last vacation I was yes. able to go on. And, um, because obviously then COVID came once I was physically feeling better. Um, but right. so we go yeah. on this vacation and it was literally, we didn't even talk about cancer. We had a ball. <laughs> we had a ball. It was so awesome. It was so beautiful. We went to the spa. We got massages. It was it was so it was just a beautiful time. We we got we rented a boat. We did. And no, then did. so and then Sunday comes and then it's like, oh yeah. Tomorrow is D-Day for me, you know, like yeah. And yeah. so we kind of woke up and we kind of like went to breakfast that day and it was like beautiful outside. And, you know, we flew yeah. back in and like, you know, mm-hmm. we all, we got in our little car service <laughs> like divas do. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, it was kind of like, we all parted ways like, okay, and I'll see you and I'll see you this week. And we're just going to, we're going to handle this. And that's how it was. Yes. And you were starting chemo. The the very, very I, I had to be at the hospital. Yeah. By 7 a.m. And this is at like yeah. 1 a.m. by the time we got in and everything. So it was it was go time. And, you know, then everyone was at my house and at my treatments. I remember, um, you know, my first treatment. I came home afterwards and there everybody was. And, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was, and that's yeah. how it was for months. I, it just was. Yeah. And I will say the second time around, it even it felt different, differently, even for me, because I think the first time and you you explained it, you were really in a very different space. And um, but even before you were diagnosed, I just remember when you had to go in to get the surgery done to remove the tumor. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I was, you were in Stanford and I'm, and I was right there and I said, I'm going to go and I, I'm going to go and see Lavana. Like, I know she's at the hospital <clears throat> right now. She just finished having Sorry. surgery. And I think I was on the phone yep. with your aunt. Not I'm not sure whether we were talking or texting, but your, but your aunt was really like, oh my God, Lavon is out. Like she's just, she, she just got out of the surgery. Yeah. Surgery went well, but. She is so out of it. Um, and I was like Aww. sitting in my car, like in the parking lot at the at the hospital. I'm like, so should I come in? Like, I'm not sure yeah. what, what what I should do. But once your aunt said that you were yeah. so out of it that at that point I think you were you were like sleeping. And I said, well, Yeah, I disturb, it was let me, crazy. Yeah, let me let me wait until she <laughs> she goes home or um, but there was there was just so much going on. But that, but the second time around it did feel as if you truly did, um, as you so eloquently put it, like invited people yeah. to come, um, um, to, to come and, and, and be yeah. in this process with you. And you weren't, you weren't closed off to yeah. people coming And I, in. I just, I was just yeah. past, mm-hmm. I think I was just um, working past this idea that people were just coming around like to pity me and not, you know, and it was like, I just didn't want right. everybody like, yes. standing around me like it was a vigil. I didn't want that. Yes. And I, I wanted yes. to be treated normally. Yeah. And uh, Penny Abazidis, yeah. bless her heart at the time, now Penny Sarzanides, um, was like, 
Levon, we don't see you mm. as our friend with cancer. You're just our friend. And that was so big mm. for me. Um, because yeah. I needed to hear that. Like you're you're still right. the same person. Right. Um, you just you're sick. And I needed to be able to be okay with the fact that I was sick. And um, mm. and I'm telling you, love and it 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 did. It gave me, it motivated me, it inspired me to keep fighting. And I, I remember yes, the second time knowing that. I was fighting, you know, I was fighting. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. hard. And, um, I was like, I, I just, I just didn't want to watch all these people that love me, bury me like, like this, mm-hmm. like this, you know, like one day we all have mm-hmm. to go, but not like this, like, right. Like not, not bald and like just laying here pitiful. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do this to my mother. Wow. I can't do this to her. Wow. And, it's really interesting that while you're going through all of this personally that it it i i'm i'm picking up sort of like a a a common thread with you that your go-to is always thinking about everybody else like the kids in your classroom your mom your family members your friends how are they like you seem to be thinking about everyone (laughs) yeah yeah Right. And, and because for you, you're just like, yeah, no, I'm like, fine. I know. I'm I, in and this. and I'm... Wendy, I'm uh, like, and I'm not saying this, I'm not saying like, I don't know how to be a fraud. So this is really like, honestly, my thoughts. So I'm not mm-hmm. just saying this for saying this sake, but I remember yeah. feeling so blessed that God chose this for me and, and not my mom, not my sister, not you all like that. Wow. He, he thought you can do this Levon. And I remember thinking, wow. what a privilege that is that he thinks that I'm strong enough to do this. And what and, oh, and whatever wow. comes of it, like so I'm I'm trusted with it, right? But that was also heavy for me. Like, yeah. okay, now I gotta figure out mm-hmm. what I have to do with this. And that that was the Now yeah. I Am Neo Foundation. Yeah. Well, that was a fabulous, wonderful. <laughs> segue yeah. I, I i i no and that it's it's the that. it's the truth it is it is the truth and yes please yeah. let's talk about the now so, i am nia foundation so yeah. it's it, it's so the now i am nia foundation is this idea that really developed over time because i started it having no idea what it was i just knew that i needed mm. to figure out why to me okay thinking like like I wrote a letter to God um, and mm. I remember writing this letter the night before. Um, no, it was the day I had finished chemo. I rang the bell that day and I wrote a letter like, God, I, I don't know why you think I deserve this. Why you think I deserve to have all of these people that love me and just why I deserve this opportunity at life again. But I promise that I will always tell people that you did it and that, that you were the one that saved me and that, um, and I just need your help to, to give me the words and to, to help me understand the purpose of all this, the reason why. And I remember being haunted by the word purpose because purpose, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and yes, the loss of being able to be a mom and in, in a traditional mm-hmm. way. Cause I know that there's many ways to be a mom, but yeah. to a, that, like, I'll never sure. be able to be pregnant and you know, I'm, 
I'm in my 30s and okay. I'll never be able to, I felt like I'll never be able to have a family with someone and us know what a child mm. of mine will look like and all of those things that are hard and important. And um, I really yeah. grieve that and I still do. I, I really still do. I, holidays are very hard for me still because, you know, in many ways my life does empty in that regard. Um, full in so many other ways, but mm. empty in that regard. Um, okay. And okay. Um, I had always, and um, you know that at the time, Sean and I were together, and I had always talked to Sean, like, if we ever had a daughter, I would name her Nia. It means purpose. It's the fifth day of Kwanzaa. And um, so mm. when I was, like, haunted by purpose, I thought, and I was like, I'm going to start, a, you know, like a read aloud service for kids who are in the hospital with cancer. I was just trying to put together like me okay. being a teacher, me having cancer, like put that all together and make it something like I'll go to the hospital and do read alouds yeah. or tutor kids who are hospitalized, who have cancer. And I was like, mm -hmm. but I need a name for yeah. it. And so I couldn't think of a name. I was like, you know, what do I call it? I came up with all these silly names. And I remember thinking like, it's about purpose. And like, what if I called it Nia? And I remember thinking, well, I can't just mm. call a business Nia, Nia's read aloud or whatever. It'll, no one will understand it. And I remember my friend Gilbert was like, Nia could stand for now I am. Like it's, it's now meaning now is like mm. present. This is, this is something happened, yeah. but now, you know, and I am is an affirmation. Anything you say after I am, is is what it is i am yes. smart i am beautiful you know mm. so if i am now i am nia meaning like i am living in purpose mm. and that is what the now i am nia foundation is and it it is it is just i it's still being developed into what it's it's gonna be but it is just okay. a place where i find purpose and so um, and hopefully other people come along for the journey. So yes. I have found different ways of expressing my purpose. And what I've learned is my purpose is to educate that I know um, and to serve and God's people. And so I have come up with so many different, um, you know, philanthropic projects, um, community service projects, passing out things to the homeless people in the hospital. I've mm. done chemo care packages for people who are starting chemo. Um, yeah. and I did blankets for hospitalized children and all of those things, um, have come out of this, me having a place to pursue purpose and try yeah. things. And, you know, and that's what the now I am Nia foundation has been for me. And in that process, I started to realize all of the things that I dreamt of and, and hoped for my bucket list was all wrapped up into this foundation. So, wow. um, you know, writing children's books was all a dream of mine. Always. Mm -hmm. I wrote I wrote stories from little kids right come up pictures. And um and so I knew that I Nia was gonna be my main character, obviously. Um, yes. and I had to give I had to let people she had to look like something because Nia was a real person to me. She was this daughter that I expected to have and she looked like me and she looked like Sean and she um she mm. had pigtails and she had bows because you know me I'm like super feminine I wear bows and I wear heels and I like yeah. sequins and tool and yes. um and so she had polka dot bows because you know I love polka dots and I have this mm -hmm. polka dot blanket and 
Um, so Nia was me and she was other young black girls. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to tell the stories of, you know, my students that I felt like weren't represented in stories with young black girls who didn't see themselves in books <laughs> and mm. um, children with disabilities who didn't see themselves in books and, yeah. you know, black fathers who didn't see themselves. Other books are about and books are about animals and books are about little, you know, white girls, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, it just was, I just wanted to write books about the marginalized. And okay. so I started writing them down and never thinking they'd be published. That they So um, long story short, I ended up deciding before I turned 40, which I, I turned 40 like two weeks ago. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so two, three weeks ago. And I decided I'm going to publish a book before my 40th birthday. That's on my 40 before 40 list. And so I paid all these illustrators. I, you know, wrote these stories. I didn't like any of them and whatever. I was like, whatever, I'm still going to put it out there. And so I started, you know, I finally um, found the illustrator that God sent her to me um, randomly. Yes. Um, and so I, decided I so I decided to self-publish I never looked into getting a publisher because I thought why do I need a publisher I've been an educator for years and yeah. you know I, I have a doctor in education like mm -hmm. <laughs> why why am and if we know we have you know a racist structure and that there are so many books not about minority children only seven percent mm -hmm. of books are about minority children why do I need to seek validation from an organization not run by minorities to tell mm. me what I should write about black children. I was a black girl. Mm -hmm. I'm an educator. Mm. Like I can do this. <laughs> and yeah. so not yeah. saying I didn't need advice because I shared the book with so many people, got input, got feedback. Yeah. Um, and uh, still growing, still learning things that I, sh I did wrong, but I wanted to do it my way. And, right. um, right. and so, um, in January, on January the 19th, ironically Sean's 40th birthday, um, and 10 days mm -hmm. before my 40th birthday, my book was finished, published and available. And then I launched yeah. it on my 40th birthday. The um, Nia Means Purpose was my first book. And I included a volume two, which was the learner's edition. And it had lesson plans in the back because obviously as a teacher, um, I felt like it was important for parents, um, families, caregivers, whoever was working with children to have some type of um, way of utilizing the book to help to start the conversation of purpose. You are such an educator, <laughs> putting lesson plans yes. in there and everything. Yes, and that it was so important. I love everything about it. And that. so I decided every book that I do <laughs> moving forward will have lesson plans because that's where my heart really is. I love and it. And so I love it. All right. So tell it, tell us the title of Yes, the book. it's so my first book ever um, is titled Nia Means Purpose. And um, it makes me so happy. It's about Nia. Um, and it's like a pilot episode. You know, it's, it's, there's so many things that are vague in it because of the fact that Nia just needed to learn what her name meant. And mm. she needed to know what her name meant because every book after you need to understand her as a character and her, now that you understand Nia is going through this journey, she's learning what her name means. Now you understand how, why she's so inquisitive in all the other books, why she's so precocious mm -hmm. and why, you know, she is so caring about things. And it's because she learned 
in that first book, she learned yeah. what purpose is. And she understands uh, it. As a child, she understands what purpose is. And she, her purpose is to help and to serve and to bring people together and um, to help other people. So the really about that. It's about Nia um, learning what purpose means. And she learns it. Her cute if I do say so myself um, and then my <laughs> my second project I'm really excited about is Nia and the Polka Dot Blanket Project and it's really mm-hmm. it's a it's a rhyming book which I don't pride myself on being a poet but rhyming book and it's about Nia um, she has this transitional item her polka dot blanket and everybody mm-hmm. who knows me knows that I yes. have a polka dot blanket that I've had yes. and it's really about um teaching kids like we all have a thing and we all need something that makes us happy and or in that something can be a person a place a thing um and just something that reminds us you know of something that makes you happy <laughs> and right. so oh. it's really about um it's a social emotional book the second book um it's about transitional items and it's about you know, the five core competencies of social emotional learning, like decision making, self-awareness. Um, so there's yes. lessons in the back of that book um, as well. And so I'm really excited about it. This has given me so much joy um, seeing these books come to fruition. You know, you know this, the, yes. um, you know, your audience doesn't, but I bawled crying <laughs> when I saw it mm-hmm. for the first time because it was like yeah. just a dream come true. Um, as a through and feeling like I'll never be a mom and I'll never so Nia like seeing her have a face and and even yes. though I'm still developing her face and making her look exactly how I want her to look and she looks different mm-hmm. in different pictures and we're like exactly what she looks like but just seeing okay. her um as a character like smiling and with her pigtails and it just you know, has brought me so much joy. Oh my goodness. And so, um, Levant, where can, where can people get, get the book? I, I ordered it off of a bar. Oh, you did. So you got the hardcover. So Mm -hmm. it's the hardcover (laughs) copy is on Barnes and Noble, the, um, learner's edition, the, um, and the paperback versions are on Amazon. Um, so Amazon has um, both editions. Barnes and Noble only has one edition. Um, and mm-hmm. um, I also, if you would like them wholesale, like in bulk, you can order them through my website, www.nowiamnia.org. Also, you can order it through my website if you want a signed copy. Um, you can order that through my website as well. Excellent. I'm saying, um, a book and a blanket. So if you want to order a book and a book, so there'll be book boxes and one of them is a book and a blanket. Mm-hmm. So if you want to order a blanket, um, that'll be on my website. Uh, and you can get oh, the I book with that. a blanket. If you want to buy a book on a blanket and donate a blanket, that'll be available as well. Um, the blanket Ooh. we've passed out over it's to hospital um, just last year. Um and nice. yeah, so it's, it's a great way to have a book, but also contribute to um, support people who may be in need and may need something to smile about. So, oh, so, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, Levon, oh. I can't say thank you. No, enough, thank my you, friend. Wendy. I mean, you know, each time, so you and I are personal friends, and and I have, I have heard this aspect of your of a uh, 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 part of your story before, of course, and um and have even experienced it mm-hmm. personally, but um. Each time you you speak about it, to be honest with you, I, I come away with like new understandings and there are things that you do say that truly end up um, personally resonating oh. with me. And although I, I myself may not have necessarily gone through uh, the exact same experiences you have, you know, you're, you are speaking to, to the human experience, to the human condition. And you know what I mean? Like that's because that's, that's important to me is that when I, my story black as a cancer survivor, if, if that I I just I come as one, as Maya Angela says, but I stand as ten thousand, and I know yes. that I I speak up on behalf of the people who don't feel comfortable to speak up, or for the people yeah. who have been silenced, um, and so it is. It's important to me that that you feel that way and that you feel like, yeah. you know, what I'm saying resonates because I know that I'm not the only one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, um, before I let you go, um, if you were to, uh, you know, I, I even attended a, a function, a, an outdoors function that you had, and I appreciated that you had a doctor there, mm-hmm. someone who can really speak to um, uh, what to pay attention to in terms of in, in terms of women's mm-hmm. health, and um, even even before that, though, I mean, there are very key things when you and I would have yeah. conversations. You would say, you know, when you go and do your annual checkup, there are certain things that unless you yep. ask for it, they will yeah. not do it and will not. And that has like, that has changed oh. me. Like, since you've said it, whenever I go to my OBGYN every, every year, I will ask for very specific, for very specific things beyond just the pap smear. And I said, well, if I'm here and you're checking everything, can you check yeah. that also? And it, re- and, and it really seems, um, some, some women may hesitate to ask that because they're like, well, that's not yeah. part of the routine, but it meant nothing. Like when I, when I asked, my doctor said, oh, okay, is that what you want? Yeah. Sure, let's do that. It was that yeah. easy. Like there was no question. There was no, no, you don't need that. If you ask for it, chances are they will just, they'll yeah. just do it. And, um, and, and so one of the key things is in addition to the pap, sm- the pap smear, I believe it's getting a, um, a, uh, is it a, is it yeah, a sonogram? A, va- a vaginal sonogram. Yeah. A vaginal so it's, sonogram. And so I request yeah, that and every I'm, year and every year I'm actually they do it. super choked up because, um, yeah, because that, that means so much to me because that is what I've hoped to impart. And I, I feel like, um, if women hear that, if they don't hear anything else is like, that's, what's important to me is that 
they um, they're requesting. Um, and so to answer your question, if there's three things, yeah. three, if there's three things that I would hope yeah. that someone who would ever hear my story knows to do is number one is to advocate and um, mm. to speak up, you know, your body, you, you know, your body, right. like, you know, when something's off um, and you know that, you know, like I should not have been nauseous for years and nothing be done about it. That is, mm. it's not okay mm. to be nauseous or it's not okay to not feel okay. And so you have to speak yeah. up because that's your job. Your doctor's job is to, to, to fix that and to find a remedy for that. Um, and so maybe, you know, it's food allergies or whatever it is, but in my case, it was cancer. Right. Um, and had mm. I not continued to speak up at my doctors, um, mm-hmm. and, and to be specific about what it was that was bothering me, um, or feel comfortable with my doctor, then who knows what right. the outcome will be. Um, because they sometimes dismiss things because they hear it all the time. Um, but you okay. have to number two. So number one is advocate. I'm, I'm thinking I'm, yes. I'm coming up with this on the fly, Wendy. <laughs> so don't think no I have this problem. Right now, but no, but no, number no, one no, is no advocate, problem. and that, that's for sure. But number two would be pursue. You have mm. to follow it up. It is your body. These people go home to their families. They're healthy. These, these are your doctors. They care about you, but they, they have a bunch of other patients. You have to pursue. Yeah. And this is just life advice. Yes. Like you have yes. to care about you the most. Pursue it. It's something that yes. it bothers me. I brought it up. You're not following up, doc. Let me follow up. Let me get a second opinion. Let me do whatever I need to do. Let me pursue until I get an right. answer that I'm satisfied with in my spirit. I'm going to pursue. Yes, and then that. that leads me to, which would be discern and would be to in your prayers. And I, I call them God and you can call mm-hmm. it spirit. You can call it, uh, you know, a higher power. You can call it whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. I call him God. And I, yeah. God woke me up that first time and he said, go to the hospital. And now I know that at the time, mm-hmm. I just thought it was, you know, my conscious or whatever you want to call it or something mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it's like God, God woke you up and he said, go to the hospital and you did. And, and the second yeah. time when I was in the ER and they said, Oh, we think you just have a bowel obstruction, AKA constipation, or you, you have a swollen, mm-hmm. your remaining ovaries just swollen because you have your period. And I, something was like, no. Okay. And I was, I prayed and I was just like, God, you know, help me. Like if it's something, you know, help me to know what to do. And uh, I followed up and I called my doctor and I, you know, go back to step one, you advocate and you pursue. And that's what I did. But ultimately praying, meditating, giving yourself space in your day to be aware of your body. And I'm, I'm not, Mm. I'm, I'm not a yogi. I don't do yoga. i but I wake up in the morning and I, I try every day to give God space in my day to, mm. so I can hear him. And, and, you know, yeah. now it's COVID, but I used to have that space in my car when I'm riding down highway, listening to yeah. music. And maybe it's that for you. Yes. Um, but now that mm-hmm. I work from home and I'm part, I try to create that space in my home where God knows that yeah. I, he always has my attention and that has help me to be clear about some of these things. I am, I am right. Like I can talk to you and you can think 
well, LeVon has this figured out, or I can at least articulate thoughts on things. But some mm. of these things I'm learning it while I'm talking out, out loud, you know, and yes, I'm processing yes. all of this organically. Just, yeah. That's where I was always an overachiever, a perfectionist, and I still am. And I'm so hard on myself. And I still, <laughs> you know, I deleted my book so many times because I'm like, it's not good enough. It's, you know, it's this, it's that, it's that. And it's when I give mm. myself permission to, to mess up and be okay is when I find that things are the best. Um, and so I say all that to say um, we're all learning and especially ourselves. You don't have yourself figured out. Um, and your body, your body is oh. changing every day. And the world is changing your body. Mm -hmm. You don't don't think that these vaccines and these viruses and all these things that are happening, the food that we eat and the, you know, food, you know, there's a chicken shortage and all these things, those all of those things mm -hmm. matter somehow to our our health. And so um, yeah. it's important to just watch patterns of yourself and give yourself right. that space um, to listen to your body and and to God. Absolutely. Uh, LaVon, um, this has been just such a, a personally rewarding discussion <laughs> thank for me. No, thank, thank you so much. You, you made, you thank made you, my Wendy. day. Thank you. And thank you for being on here. Thank you for all of the yeah. information that you shared with us. Thank you for sharing with us. You're, you know, part of your, part of your life story. Yeah. I really, um, I'm, I, I truly am just, I'm, I'm honored wow. to know you. I'm so happy to call you wow. my friend. And um, I'm waiting for yes, our next trip, I am right? too. I mean, we just I need to. Waiting. We just need to get we the do. We do. And we need to I am. So, I am so ready because you know, not for nothing, <laughs> it has been really hard um, being secluded. Um, I am social, and yes. so just sitting in the house all day, yes. every day by myself is really taking a toll but every day somehow yes. we touch base every day Absolutely. and it is so <laughs> important and you don't realize like how we all need that because um and Alvina and I yes. talked about this yesterday but it's like it might sound small but sending a text message or somebody texting you if, even if they don't call you texting you every day is 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 just yeah. confirmation that somebody in the world knows you're there and when and we yeah, you no, and I live alone I, so I know you understand this yeah, I'm yep. experiencing this. Somebody exact knows same you're thing. there. I feel the same way. Yeah. And it's and that's important. And so my check on your strong friends. Check on your your friends that yeah. seem like they're engaged and active. Um That's right. And that those yes. things are so important. And I I thank you so much. Yeah. First of all, I love your podcast. I've listened to every single one. I I've, I've been so impressed. Um oh my and so I'm, I'm absolutely honored, you know, <laughs> you know, you said, you know, your feelings about me, which I appreciate, but you have to know that I absolutely feel the same way about you. I always tell everyone about my friend, Wendy, with the laugh and the voice, um, who <laughs> sings opera and she does all of these amazing things, but you know, you're such a kind and awesome person. I'm so blessed to know you. And I just thank you so much, you know, for giving me a space because it's so important for me personally to feel heard. Um, and so mm -hmm. me asking me to, t to share my story, um, confirms for me that 
that I that people want to hear from me. Um, and that is so important to me for whatever reason. And so I, I'm so extremely grateful that you have me on here, not just as your friend, but that, that you have me on here because you feel like my story is something that needs to be shared. And I, I appreciate that space. So thank you. Yes. Oh, my pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. And so I'm looking forward to the next, uh, to, yes, to the next yes. book. Yes, Can't it wait. gets launched on Can't March second, Read Across America Day. Um, it'll be coming out on March second, so it will be available on oh, on Amazon.com yes. and through my website www.nowiamnia.org. So, I love it, Levon, my Wendy. friend. Thank I love you, you Wendy. So Thank you so much, much for having me. Thanks, <laughs> okay. friend. All bye. Right, we'll talk again. <laughs> bye. To use the saying of one of my favorite talk show hosts from back in the day, Arsenio Hall, a saying which actually inspired the song sung by the 90s group CC Music Factory, I'd like to call this segment, Things That Make Me Go, Hmm. All right. I want to let everyone know that this podcast I started back in June of 2020 is totally and undoubtedly selfish. You know... I started on this because I'm on a quest for self-discovery. Every time I speak to a guest, I think, what can I learn about myself from what they're sharing with me? So you see, I told you, completely selfish. Okay, I definitely got a lot from this discussion. There are things that Levant said that, although I didn't exactly go through what she went through, I was truly able to relate to almost every emotion that she expressed. So she said something like, I have to sit in it. I don't have an out. When she said that, that truly did resonate with me. She was speaking, um, I believe, of, the, of her first bout of, of cancer treatment. And uh, she, when she had first got diagnosed, she was saying to herself, all right, let's get through this. Um, give me a timeline so I can get back to my life, get back to work. I have things to do. And when the doctor said, oh, no, I don't think you understand what you're getting ready to do. You absolutely cannot go back to work. You cannot be in the classroom with kids. You're going to be going through a lot. You're going to be out for a while. And for her, it was like, oh, my goodness. And that's where she says she was like, I don't have an out. I have to sit in this and I get it. I get it. I get it. I will be honest with you, that honestly was um, an emotion that I experienced when the pandemic first hit. Back in March of 2020, when everything shut down, that's truly the way I felt. I think I have been so busy with my everyday life, going to the office, spending my time with family and friends and spending my time with others or engaged in doing other things that I really did not, um, I really just kept myself busy. And so I never really had to, in a sense, face myself. And that hit big time, honestly. Um, Back in March, it just hit big time because it really was, oh my goodness, I can't go anywhere. 
I have to, as LaVon said, sit in this and I don't have an out. So I didn't have a choice but to face myself. Um, and that was a huge revelation for me. Huge, 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 personally. Um, another thing that uh, LaVon had said, uh, I think, when initially uh, she was uh, not able to look at herself bald, this was brought up as a concern by her mom and the doctor or the nurse had ended up telling LaVon, you know, you really need to look at yourself in the mirror bald and say, I'm sick. And she had such a hard time doing that. Um, and she even had said, I did myself a disservice to not admit that I was sick. And um, I completely can relate to that emotion. I cannot tell you how often I have been, I have found myself in situations and I was just um, oblivious to, to it, or at least I saw it, but denied it and never admitted what situation I was truly in and what disservice I was doing to myself by not admitting um, where I was. Um, LaVon had even said, I wanted it to not be so badly that I pretended that it wasn't. Oh my God, that was big for me. And I just said, oh no, I wanted it to not be so badly that I just pretended that it wasn't. I cannot tell you how often I have found myself personally in a situation like that. Um, so really something to think about for all of us, how many of us are doing that in different aspects of our lives. Another thing LaVon said is, um, I didn't invite anybody into the process. Um, and that was also a big one for me. I think I honestly have spent a lot of my life um, really trying to figure things out on my own or go through things on my own and not inviting anybody into the process. And how much am I missing out on by doing that? Um, LaVon goes on to say the second time around um, when she was going through her second bout of cancer treatment, she said this second time around, I needed the village. And I cannot tell you how awesome that felt even just to hear LaVon share that. This second time around, I needed the village. So she recognized that. And then she goes on to say, it was me outside of myself getting to see myself loved. And it was beautiful. I just, I, it, it just truly warmed my heart just to hear her say that. I loved that that is the experience that she had, especially the second time around. Me outside of myself getting to see myself loved, and it was beautiful. That was just so beautifully put. Um, I love that she shared that with us. Um, she also said, um, which was very interesting to me, I'm glad that God chose me and not someone else. Um, that truly uh, stayed with me because it made me think, uh, I remember maybe about, I want to say maybe about like a year and a half ago, I was in a situation with someone. And at the end of this situation, it really ended up being like, I ended up taking sort of like the brunt of um, of the pain, honestly, I think. Um, and there was a part of me where I felt where that's truly the emotion. And I just said, even though I'm going through what I'm going through, this absolutely doesn't feel good at all. But at the end of this, if it had to be between 
me or the other person. Um, I'm so glad that it was me. I think there's a part of me that's just like, I'm going through it emotionally right now, but I know I will get out of this eventually. Um, and I just thought if it were the other person because of the emotional space that they were in, if, you know, the tables were turned and it was that person, I think that person would end up having a really tough time dealing with it much more so than I was. So I did have that feeling like, thank God it was me. Um, and, and thank God, God chose me to be, you know, because, because, because God felt like I, I, I was strong enough to be able to deal with this. Um, so when, when LaVon had shared that, um, I was truly able to resonate with, um, with, with that kind of feeling. It's an interesting feeling, right? Cause like you're going through it and it doesn't feel good at all. Um, but saying, well, thank God, at least it was me and not somebody else. Um, interesting, very interesting. Um, one of the last things, uh, really she had said either way, I had to be intentional with whatever happens next. And that's when she starts to talk about purpose. Um, I truly love everything about this. Um, you know, Levon turned her situation into something that is not fleeting. It's not just, oh, this is a part of my story that just kind of happened. And now I've moved on to another part part of my story she truly used her experience and turned it and and truly gave it a purpose and she found her purpose through that and what Levon has done what she continues to do and what she's going to uh continue doing in the future is just it's just so incredibly beautiful and i have had the privilege and honor to know where she was and where she is now and it's just beautiful to see where this human being is and i aspire to be like her i certainly um am inspired by her, um, as I know she has inspired so many other people. So um, those are just a few of my thoughts. Of course, I got so much more out of this discussion, um, but those are the, you know, some of the key things that truly are going to stay with me for quite some time. Okay, friends, that wraps up things that make me go, hmm... just listen to another episode of discussions from my closet send your questions and or comments to discussions from my closet at gmail.com again that's discussions from my closet at gmail.com any suggestions on future topics are welcome if you've liked what you've heard be sure to subscribe rate and share on any podcast app thank you for listening to discussions from my closet